1: Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.
2: and welcome to episode 267 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening, and I am joined via phone, yes, via phone, by Eric Cole. Hello, sir. I, I apologize for all the technology challenges this evening.
3: Yeah, like they're your fault. They I, 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 it is, look, I don't know why my computer has decided that no USB microphone <laughs> that I own will be recognized, and then... I somehow got that working, but then it would not let me hear your voice through my headset. I don't know what's going on. There's something going on with my audio stuff on my laptop. It's just this constant struggle with me. But, you know, fortunately, we've figured this work around out and, you know, I'm here to talk some baseball.
2: Yeah, here we are. Um, The scheduling gods were not kind to me in particular, nor you, I think, this week. Uh, We're going to talk about the non-tender stuff today from wednesday which is a very very busy day i would have recorded last night but scheduling was not going to be kind to me on that one so my apologies but here we are 24 hours later it's thursday and it's been a week or so since we did a podcast so it was time and basically that's all we'll do today it might be a little bit shorter of a show than usual but uh we'll get back into the group here shortly i'm sure at and it's any rate also,
3: it's also a guarantee that some big news will happen tomorrow well so that's and that's why we're doing we'll this short
2: and then, we'll, and then we'll come back it's fine uh yeah, exactly let's exactly. let's <laughs> lean into the bit a little bit here um So, obviously, there was news with Adam Duvall was the big thing, and then Johan Camargo, Luke Jackson, Grant Dayton, etc. Let's just start with Adam Duvall. It's the biggest news. Quite obviously, it was the biggest surprise. Um, For those of us that may not know, at this point in time, Adam Duvall was non-tendered by the Braves. I can speak for me only. I thought there was a non-zero chance of this. I I, I thought it was at least possible slash plausible this happened at the same time. I was quite surprised. Were you as surprised as I was?
3: I was pretty surprised. Um, you know, there, there are certainly some reasons to think it wouldn't happen. Um, first, he had the injury at the end of the year. So you wonder maybe that how severe that injury was. We never really found that out, right? Like it was just that last series. Uh, he gets injured and he was kind of a feast and famine guy. So, you know, like when he was great, he was Babe Ruth. And when he wasn't, you know, he was basically unplayable. So there was reasons not to. I wonder if there was a big gap in what, he was wanting versus what the Braves were willing to do. And with all the uncertainty with arbitration this year combined with maybe the Braves feel like they're, they're not sure if they're going to have to get another bat to replace Marcelo Zuna and maybe plug him over in left field. Um, if that's the case, like there's, there's definitely some roster considerations to go along with this. And, you know, again, I'm not, I'm surprised that it happened, but this was never like a, a zero chance. I know I did think that he, it was, more likely that Luke Jackson was going to get non-tendered than him. But other than that, you know, it was fine.
2: Yeah. And so a lot of the reactions that, at least that I saw, were: why would they tender the other guys and not Duval? I, I would just say this: no one got tendered. Camargo. Yeah. They got, they got, they got, they agreed to non-guaranteed. Yeah. Camargo, Jackson, and Dayton avoided arbitration by agreeing to non-guaranteed contracts. So just that's a very important point. It's it might seem small, but it's really not. The break the Braves have been doing it a lot under AA. Yeah, that's how. And that's it's a why. I mean, trust me, I I would not have tendered Luke Jackson. But if you get him to sign a non guaranteed deal for less than what he was going to get in arbitration, that's a team win. Um, Yeah, you you can cut him if you want to, but
3: it's fine. If he he finds his twenty nineteen form again, then you have him for like a crazy good rate. Right. If you know he's. The other version, then, <laughs> you, then you have it's it's basically this. I mean, maybe you have to pay like a little bit out for like spring training or whatever, but you know beyond that.
2: Yeah, we'll come back to the other three guys for sure. But that's a good point to just start off with at the top. Those guys are all non-carrying, non-guaranteed deals that they signed outside of the process. Um yeah. I'm with you on Duval in terms of like the factors in play. He made about three and a quarter million dollars last year. He was projected somewhere in the high fours or more. There is some sort of a wide range of what it could have been. Yeah, one was like seven million, I think. Like well, I don't know. If, you, if you go into it, like looking at what he did this year and trying to use his numbers at face value, he was a top ten guy in home runs this season. Like he might have gotten more than people expected in arbitration, and that might have scared the Braves a little bit. And rightly sure. so. Um and also just the fact that, you know. We like Adam Duvall. I've been high on Adam Duvall, but he is probably not a full-time starter. And if you don't want the right-handed version of a, of a, of a platoon guy making real money, I get it. I would have tendered him. I still feel that way. But that's contingent on, what's, on what the next move is. Because that, the natural thing is, you know, what's the plan now? Because they already had this opening slash sub-opening when it comes to corner outfield and then DH... And as part of the reporting, Rose, Ken, Ken Rosenthal at The Athletic reported that the Braves are still considering re-signing Adam Nuvall. And also Ro- Rosenthal reported that, and I'm quoting now, without an assurance of a DH in the National League, the club wants to stay flexible in left field. So, that it all is. plays into this as well. The DH thing is so ridiculous, man. Like how do they not know about the DH now? That's not a brace fault. That's not, How are you in free agency? And you don't, you don't know the rules. It just blows my mind. It really does. Well, and that's all, that's a league
3: problem. And I'm sure that both sides are trying to leverage the presence of the DH to get other things and you know, like a potential adjustment. And you know, it's, it's a mess because that's the easy thing they should agree on. The problem is that there's so much in like influx with what's going on next year uh, with next year, especially the start of the season. Regarding you know fans are going to be in the ballpark et cetera et cetera you know all that stuff so I don't I don't envy that those conversations because those are two sides that really don't like each other and frankly I don't think that I would trust anything that came out of Rob Manfred's mouth at a negotiating table yes. um, so uh, he, he's been particularly bad of late so I, I kind of get why. No one. It doesn't seem like there's been much discussion about any movement. But I mean, even the national writers seem to be getting frustrated about it. It's just that you know we don't have an announcement about because it. It sh- this should be an easy decision. Yes. And it's and it's not. You know, and the, the, they the way in which both the players' union and the league operate make everything hard, <laughs> and it's frustrating. So, but the short answer is I, I can understand why, and especially if the Braves ha- want to have. A realistic shot at going after Marcelo Zuna. You know, if you feel like you have to run him out there, and you feel like you really want to make a strong push for him, then you know maybe paying Adam Duval doesn't make as much sense.
2: Yeah, here's the thing: it's going to be interesting to see what the plan is now because I assume there's some sort of overarching plan by of not tendering Duval. Like if there's no DH. Then it's a little bit easier to figure out what they're going to do because then you really only have one spot to fill in the lineup. It's left field, and then they're kind of good from there if they want to be. If you have the DH, you have currently no one on your roster to DH or play left field. <laughs> so that's a big pivot point. Well, yeah. well, I mean, again, if if they feel like they're if they feel
3: like the DH is if, if the DH is instilled, and then if their number one priority is to try to bring back Ozuna, right, they can always circle back to go get Duvall, at least they probably think that and maybe Duvall doesn't sign until late in the process. Um, I I do think that another thing too, is I don't think it's a coincidence that all these guys get offered non guaranteed deals. And it's entirely possible that the Braves offered Duvall a non guaranteed deal. And he just wasn't going to do that. Oh, I'm
2: sure. I'm sure they did. I mean, why wouldn't they? you know what I mean? Like if you're, if you're the Braves, I'm confident they would have given him some money, but if you're Adam Duvall, you're probably going in, look, I had a good year. I'm, you know, I'm the age that I'm at. I want to hit the market if I'm not going to have some real money. And I get that. So realistically, he had a good month. If we're just being honest. Well, yeah, but that was that the, the season was two yeah, months yeah. long, basically. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, I'm, we're pro Adam Duvall, but no, no one, not even us would suggest that he's this, this like super consistent high end starting oh, yeah. player. He's just not, yeah, he's a hot and cold guy. It's fine. Well, um, a two and
3: a half that was Brad. Yes, it, it was. was.
2: It was, it was quite a run. So naturally I have to ask you because people ask us, George Springer time, Eric. Oh, uh, I would i I'd be over the moon. I I don't know.
3: So, outside of Treasure Trevor Bauer, like there's like a really like, the the which position player gets signed first of that really that like in that top ten group. We're going to kind of see a lot of dominoes fall, uh, and I think that the first one is going to be signed by the Mets, just because I think they're going to be aggressive, and. I think, look, George Springer would look great in this Bra- in this Braves lineup. Don't get me wrong. I just don't – I don't see the Braves putting up the kind of money it's probably going to be required to sign him. Yeah. Now, I don't think that – I don't think that means they're going to pivot and go sign Nick, Mar- Nick Markakis or anything, but at least <sighs> I hope. Oh, I, I honestly was like reading that tweet, and someone made a meme like in the tweet below it that I didn't see their tweet for it. So I thought that the picture went with the tweet, and I'm like, you have got to be kidding me.
2: No, it's. Uh, I think that Springer is unlikely, not impossible. Um, that's a name, of, of course, that makes sense for the Braves if they want to spend some money and make their first, you know, huge investment. The other name everyone is bringing up is Chris Bryant um, because the Cubs are pivoting a little bit. He's ARB eligible. Um, they could they could easily trade him. It's one year if they do that. That's kind of more the Braves' speed recently. The the less yes. length on the commitment. Uh, yeah. They'll pay you twenty million dollars a year for one year. That's what I mean. Like you, you're probably assuming you got you're gonna have to pay him that much. You would you wouldn't have to trade a ton. I know it seems like it seems crazy to to suggest that you would be able to trade for Chris Bryant cheaply in terms of prospects, but you probably could because of they what he's
3: making. Salary and it's only one year.
2: Yeah. yeah. So like, if it's one prospect for Chris Bryant, and and it's not like Pache, by the way, it's a, a, a lower not not lower tier, but not not uber elite prospect. I, I'd be fine with that. I mean, yeah. one guy. I, I, you, you could tell me Maybe who like, that would be, yeah. but like Bryce Wilson or something for Chris Bryant. Like, I would probably do that.
3: Uh, probably, probably in that tier somewhere. Sure, you know. Uh, and again, it just kind of depends on what the Cubs. The problem is the Cubs are probably what position players. Which yeah. kinda gets a, little, gets a little dicey with what the Braves have to offer. Because they say, have you. you, you got to okay, tell me. Yeah. I mean, Drew Waters is too much that's
2: for, that's one year saying, for
3: Chris Bryant. Waters, and then you kind of get into a realm of prospects that is very hazy when we didn't have games last year. Um, like Michael Harris is a guy that we're really high on, but if you're kind of looking at like what the traditional outlets are doing with their rankings and stuff like that, maybe he's in the kind of that, that, that universe, but I don't think that the Braves are willing to part with a guy like
2: that. Well, let's use this, so, let's, let's use his full name and that's talking Shot podcast guest, Michael Harris. Yeah, <laughs>
3: Just saying. He, he, yeah, no, he's, he is, he uh, is a, he's very very good and we're going to have thoughts on him coming up soon because yeah. the talking talking shop prospect rankings are going to be rolled out uh around the new year's day but suffice to say we like him a lot um, but I guess my point is is that 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 tier of kind of not the top tier guys but maybe you know a tier or two down depending on how motivated the cubs are and concerning that they you know they went ahead and tendered him it makes me think that they can trade him for the value that they want so Maybe they're not as like kind of it's not crazy. They didn't have to just take whatever deal came to them to begin with. Um, yeah, I mean the the fit makes a certain amount of sense. I, I you know you wonder a little bit about you know what the Braves really do think about Austin Riley going forward and whether or not it's actually worth
2: replacing him. Um, well, even the, even if it's not replacing it's, him, I, even if you wanted to play Austin Riley and you want to give him one more one more year, put Bryant, him Bryant or Riley could play left field. Like that's true. Like Bryant's played left field. Riley's play left field. Like you could certainly have Chris Bryant and still have Austin that's Riley neat. in a prominent position. And I'm not the biggest Riley guy in the world, but it's not like you have to close the door on Riley if you go get Bryant, is what that's, I would say. Yeah, that's fair. So
3: I I don't know. Like it's this is an off, fascinating off because I went into it very pessimistic about what anyone was going to get in free agency, and then the deals that started getting signed were fairly reasonable. And then I thought yesterday was going to be a complete and total bloodbath for like the non tender deadline, and there was certainly a good number of people, but it wasn't like, you know, this apocalypse of free agency that happened where you have a hundred guys all of a sudden added to the free agent pool. I mean, there was again, there was a lot, but not not what I thought it was. So I don't, no. I don't know how healthy the markets are.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, people really wants to know like and weigh in what's going to happen my my overall reaction to the Duvall news is that it's an incomplete like you can't really grade this without knowing what they're going to do if the Braves don't do anything special or even good in left field I will not be thrilled that they let Adam Duvall go for a relatively small amount of money but if they use that money to get someone that's a full-time starter that makes sense so we'll see
3: yeah basically if Ender and CRT is starting in the outfield next year something is wrong. Yeah. Something,
2: if honestly something. the internal options, oh. uh, we, we, I said this briefly earlier, but just to say it plainly at the moment on the Braves roster, they have two starting outfielders on the team Two. Yeah. And that includes, and, and that includes Pache who's essentially never started in the major leagues other than the playoffs, which is funny, but, um, You're good. You're good, Brad. Yeah. And just to, I guess I should ask this question to you. I know my answer, but, I got this question from a fan who was being serious. Uh, what do you think about Drew Waters playing in the majors this year?
3: I think it could very well happen. Well, from a developmental standpoint, I could see it happening. I mean opening day
2: more than anything. Uh,
3: I think I, I would call that unlikely just because of the lack of playing time in real games in the minor leagues. And it's not, it's not a knock on Drew's talent at all. I just don't think that if he was going there, – there were opportunities to play him this year. If they felt that confident about it, and you know they they barely could pl- want to play Pache, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, they would rather have Ender CRT get men, meaningful at bats for three straight weeks than give him a shot. Um, now Pache was already on the forty man, so that makes a certain amount of sense. But I guess my point is, I don't see it happening on Opening Day. I think they're going to try to get a proven guy, and then maybe once the minor leagues get going, kind of see where he's at developmentally
2: we agree there. I just wanted to make sure you're the prospect guy. I had to ask you, but that was my answer to that person that asked and uh, shots of the question. I was not trying to pick on them. Um, cause Drew yep. Waters is a big prospect. I, I get that, but uh, I would not want to go into the year with both Pache and Waters playing um, just cause that's a risk. I will say. Yeah. Yeah. It just takes time. He needs time. That's all. Yep. There you go. Um, all right, let's pivot to the other guys. Now we quickly Camargo, the biggest name other than Duval. um, one year, one point three six million. Uh it was widely reported to be non guaranteed. That's a pay cut from last year where he made one point seven million. He was gonna get two million or more probably if he was tendered. So I'm fine with this. You know, I was on the record with Joe Lucia the other day saying that I would not tender Camargo. At this number, non guaranteed, it's totally fine, even as a skeptic of Camargo's game. Um, I will just say he's been a sub replacement level player for the last year and a half. So, really bad. If that guy exists, then this is bad, um, and you can't play him. But obviously, before that, he was pretty good. So it's all kind of a speculative bet. What's your thought on just giving him another chance, seeing what it looks like in spring, and going from there? I, I there's
3: no there's no real downside to it because this is basically a non tender, but that forces him to be a fallback option. Yeah, to me, you know what I mean. Like he has to come into camp, and he probably thinks that he he's not, there's not going to be a ton of people knocking on his door. You know what I mean, like it's not like other teams don't realize that he's been bad for a year and a half. Right. So this is kind of his opportunity to come into camp and really show out and earn a bench spot. Um, but, you know, if he if, if he ends up playing well in spring and they keep a bench guy who's playing well in spring for a little over a million dollars, that shouldn't upset anybody. You know what I mean? Um, now, if it, like, the, he like they had agreed at like six and a half million or something like that and it was a guaranteed deal. That that'd be one thing. But, you know, for a non-guaranteed deal where if he, you know, after the first two weeks of spring, he's, you know, it's just not happening. You just cut him. That's nothing. You know, I mean, that's it's it's kind of all upside for the Braves. I think they kind of really went in on, you know, these non-guaranteed deals. And, you know, who knows, it could work out for him because, I mean, there's certainly some guys who have shown talent at times on these on these list of guys. But, you know, Camargo, I'm with you. I probably would have non-tendered him. But this is honestly probably better.
2: Yeah, this is fine. I mean, I say that like as someone who is very clearly not a believer. Having a bet on him for basically no money is totally fine. Uh, we'll see what happens. I am skeptical that it's going to work, but there's no downside. And I'm glad that's the way you put it, because there really is none at that level on a non-guaranteed contract. So, totally fine. We'll see what happens there. Luke Jackson is similar in that he was pretty good two years ago. He was not good this year. One year, 1900000 million non-guaranteed similar situation quite frankly like yeah. I believe very little in this but for that price what are you gonna do yeah he's been kind of a weird guy where you know like he was better than
3: what his numbers showed in 2019 and his 2019 numbers were pretty good and in 2020 he was actually worse than what his numbers showed <laughs> uh, and his numbers weren't good so I mean look this is the guy that they couldn't like you know was one of their most reliable bullpen arms in 2019, and they wouldn't even put him on the playoff roster in 2020. You know, when they really, you know, having a really healthy bullpen seemed like a really good idea when their rotation was Max Freed, Ian Anderson, and Hope. So, I, you know, I'm – again, I'm with you. I'm skeptical. I'm hopeful that he can kind of find that form where he was – I mean, again, he doesn't have to be an 8th or a 9th inning guy because the Braves have guys that can fill those roles even with the losses in free agency. But if he could actually like, you know, start throwing strikes again and, you know, not being hit hard, it would be definitely good for everybody.
2: Yeah. And a, a cheap bet as well. Like it's at least conceivable to me that Luke Jackson is your seventh reliever next year. If they see something that they like in spring and I will not yeah. kill them for that. I mean, usually oh. in a bullpen, there is a guy or two that you're not sure about. Last year the Braves were so loaded in the bullpen that it was like almost um, a luxury that you can't expect. <laughs> they sure. were so good. Uh, usually there's a guy or two you don't love, and if that's Luke Jackson for cheap because they like him with what they saw in spring, it's not the worst thing in the world. I would worry that Snicker will overuse him at times because he he seems to like Luke a lot. But I don't know if he's the last guy in the bullpen, it's okay. But it's a lot of you know the money that he was going to get would have been too much. This on a non guaranteed contract whatever i'm shrugging my shoulders you can't see that eric but i'm shrugging my shoulders yeah 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 it's hard to convey in podcast form,
3: but that's pretty much how i feel about it i'm like yeah sure if this is like your roster you know your non-roster invite to year whatever type thing you know with you, know, you get to pay him out a little bit of money if it doesn't if it doesn't work out in spring that's fine and if it does work out and you know his sliders in top form or at least better form than in what it was then you know that much for reliever just is more than fine
2: yes And the last guy is Grant Dayton, who also avoids the tender, non-tender thing by signing for one year and $900,000. That's reportedly non-guaranteed as well. Um, I will say this about Dayton, and this almost surprised me. I knew this a little bit. I saw him referred to as a young player on Twitter. Grant Dayton is 33 years old.
3: Yeah, he's not that, no.
2: It's just kind of funny because uh, to, to that person's credit, I'm not trying to bury anybody individually, but usually when a guy is having a non-tenor decision, he's not 33 years old, so I get it. But just just as a reminder, Great Dayton is not a prospect. He's not young. He's 33 years old. So this is a veteran, uh, but you know, less than a million dollars. He's actually been pretty decent the last two years. I will say his, metro, his uh, peripherals are not as good, so he's probably been a little lucky, but I don't know, smoke smoke and mirrors can work sometimes, I guess. Well, smoke and mirrors and, you know, as your sixth
3: inning guy, that's fine. Like, that's not, you know what I mean? Like, he's kind of in that Luke Jackson boat. Like, you're going to have relievers that, you know, you don't want to put out there with, you know, the bases loaded with, you know, Juan Soto at the plate or something like that. But, you know, when you just need to get through an inning because your starters, your starters gassed or whatever, you know, a guy that's not necessarily going to punt the game immediately. Dayton's probably fine you know like he's not again I'm not going to pretend that he's you know some some grand savior of the bullpen but for less than a million dollars on a non-guaranteed deal again this is a guy you bring in the camp and if he shows anything you know you can you can go ahead and make his deal guaranteed and you have him locked up rather than having to try to hunt down to fill slots later on so again these types of deals are fine to me Um, as long as they're kind of willing to treat them like non-guaranteed deals as opposed to kind of you know "Quote unquote," you know, they're non guaranteed, but they're basically going to make the roster because you know they like them a lot or something like that. You know what I mean? Like that's they, a very that good just, point. Yeah, they, they have they kind of like those roster. There has to be true roster decisions and true roster competition for you know the non guaranteed part to be a true advantage for me. Uh, if you don't bring in people
2: to compete against these guys, then you have you have tendered all these guys. And, yes, and that's that's not. I, I'm with you. I think the only. Like the Dayton money is, it's like basically the league minimum. Like it's so little that, you know, if they just want to fill a bullpen spot with a, with the equivalent of the league minimum salary, to save some money, and they think Dayton is like kind of not much different from what they could sign for the minimum, like it's that makes even more sense. But the other two guys, Camargo and Luke Jackson, you need to see something from them that encourages you to keep them in my in my opinion. Um, And it's fine. This kind of buys you some time. It gets you. It gets. It gets those guys locked in on a cheap number if you want to keep them, but particularly in the case of Camargo, I, I just don't know. I don't know. You, you shouldn't be planning on bringing him in, but again, it's so cheap that it's like I can't even get upset. You know what I mean? It's one point three million is like nothing. So one point three million. Now I mean, the finances are going to be a little
3: bit different this year. But I don't know if that makes that much of a difference to me. Like signing a bench player for that much This isn't
2: Well, and this- also compare you have to compare it's not just one point three million or or zero dollars. It's that versus the minimum salary. So the gap isn't so big regard like you're you're paying somebody the minimum salary at least. You know what I mean? So it's not like the difference is you get to save that one point three million dollars and spend it only on Marcelo Zuna. It's <laughs> it's right. that it's that minus the minimum. So it's like a half million dollars, really on camargo even if you keep him that you're really spending so i don't know it's interesting to me i, I people i saw some people really upset with the braves i, I was gonna say there were some takes and i was like i don't really know what the takes are about on this one i mean I, I i guess the duval thing is controversial enough where i can see some people getting upset the other three guys i just don't you know there's nothing bad about what they did
3: no um and again the duval thing like that that I'm with you. It's an incomplete, you know, cause they could circle back to him. Uh, it could end up being a much better option in left field or, you know, they've moved pieces around to whoever they get for the outfield, that third outfield spot. I mean, there's a lot of things that could go <laughs> a lot of directions. This could go. And I don't think that anyone should be particularly upset until we kind of know, um, it's worth remembering too, is that, you know, <laughs> after 20 in 2019, everyone was, you know, hating Adam Duvall, particularly going into the season because of how bad he was after the trade, um, and he's kind of notoriously streaky and things like that. I think we're both in agreement that we like Adam Duvall. I don't know if we – I think we're also in agreement that we don't love him, uh, as, especially as an everyday guy. Speak uh, for
2: yourself, sort- Eric. I love Adam Duvall like a son. <laughs> I, I, he, he, he's certainly a platoon guy. No, I, I'm kidding. He's – we know – honestly, yeah. our, our opinion on Adam Duvall is like pretty well-documented. We were high on him compared to people that really, really hated him. And also, yeah, so, and also, also yeah, realistic about him. Like he's not a star. He's he has power. He plays good defense. He's a very useful role player on a baseball team. Absolutely, I agree with that. And if they want to bring him back, they should still talk to him. I mean, if Adam Duval goes out and, get, and gets five million dollars in the market, then Godspeed, Adam Duvall. Like I'm, I'll be happy for him. If he's not, if the market's not there for him, and the Braves can g- get him back for three million dollars, that's totally fine too. Like. Yep, the door is open, and I think that's important to point out. Like immediately, Ken Rosenthal, who is very respected, was like they're considering resigning him. So it's not like the Adam Duval chapter is closed. Is all I'll say. No, yeah. it was
3: just that at the deadline they were probably only willing to give guys non guaranteed deals, and he wasn't willing to do that, and that's that's perfectly fine. N-
2: by the way, nor should he. Occasionally, you have to put yourself <laughs> in the player <laughs> in the player's shoes. Adam Duval should not have taken one of these discount non guaranteed deals. He's too good to do that.
3: Absolutely. I agree with that. Like he's the other three guys are not. But. Right.
2: Exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, I know these guys were grouped together because of, of the day and the transaction cycle, but Duvall, even if with all that said about him not being a starter, and all that stuff, he is too good to take the $3 million non-guaranteed one year deal from the Braves. He, he will get a guaranteed deal from some, from a team this, this off season. It might not be Atlanta, but he will get guaranteed money from someone. There's no question about that. Yeah. He will be employed. Yes. <laughs> for sure. And, and for more than the minimum, I would imagine. So uh, I don't know how much it's gonna be. It might be two million dollars. Like maybe his market's not not really there. But I mean, he's he's an above average fourth outfielder. I would say is the way that I would describe Adam Duvall in the major leagues. Yeah, that sounds about right. A guy with power. Like think about the teams. Like not not necessarily a good team, but like think think about an average you know five hundred team. Is he better or worse than that team's fourth outfielder? It's he's probably as good or better. You know what I mean and on some of those teams he might be better than the third out yeah he We're might different. I no he honestly there are teams where he should start for them in the major leagues like he he's in a corner spot if you play Adam Duval mostly every day he's probably like a two-win player and like that's not a great player but that's not gonna kill you you know what I mean nope. like he'll probably hit 30 home runs if you play him every single day and play good and play good defense he also might hit 220 but yeah, for for a month, he will carry your team. Well, that's what I mean. Like, honestly, that's what he was in Cincinnati. Before all this all before all this happened, Adam Duval was a guy who was gonna hit you twenty five to thirty home runs, play good defense, and not get on base very often. And like that isn't a great player, but if you're a bottom tier team and that and that's your starting left fielder who hits sixth for you, like that's fine. I don't know. I'm with you. I will always root for Adam Duvall. This is a pro Adam Duval podcast.
3: Oh, absolutely. Uh and you know, Considering what he the kind of the moments that he had at times, like it's worth rooting for him because he he's a flawed player, but you know to have to like come back repeatedly to end up getting a a playoff spot and you know come back and actually like do what he did this year was a pretty big deal. You know, like it's it's really hard to kind of be a like a quad A guy, you know, just kind of sitting out there waiting for your chance and just mashing the crap out of the ball in Gwinnett and then get your opportunity, do something in the playoffs against the Cardinals, and then do what he did this year. I mean, everyone should root for Adam Duvall. Like, you know, it's just a situation where, you know, right now, it's just not really working out for getting where the Braves are.
2: Yeah, that's well said. And we'll I'll we'll be back. I would not surprise me if in three weeks we're discussing Adam Duvall signing a one-year deal for $3.5 million something like that. Um,
3: I'm going to ask you now, Brad. Are the Braves signing Nick Markakis?
2: I still would say no, but it seems more likely now than it did before what 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 percentage
3: would you have of nick martekas being under contract in 2021 by the braves or by anyone braves uh, which is, is the other one what'd you say is the other one <laughs> which, which i said the number is pretty much the same as well know.
2: yeah i was gonna, i mean he's i think he probably retires if he's on the braves but that's just that's, that's just a guess um 25 okay one in four Again, that that's that's a pure guess. I have no intel. Um occasionally I have intel. This is not a situation where I do. Um I don't know. It's the only reason why I'm saying it might seem more likely now is because with Duvall. With, with Duvall not there, there's a, there's a spot for like a fifth outfitter type that may not have been there before. You know what I mean? And they want a veteran, you know, they like Marcakus a lot, all all the stuff that we usually talk about. But uh especially I'll I'll say this. It's more likely At least it should be if they're making rational decisions. If they were to spend real money on like George Springer, it makes more sense to sign Marcus at that point.
3: Oh, because he's going to be like so cheap and as a backup. Because
2: it'll it'll, it'll be for very cheap and he won't play. Not, not
3: even Snicker could, like, find a way to play Nick Morgakis over any of those three guys. Well, you and imagine. I mean,
2: I, don't tempt him because – well, I say that. I was going to say, I, at, I, at some point, they'll probably put Acuna in center and just so he can play Nick. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're don't all, go, we're go all guessing. I think that's not going to happen, but, man, I have no idea. Let's just be honest. I have no clue. So – We'll see. Uh, all right, Eric. This is this is plenty. You've been doing this on your phone uh, gainfully, so thank you very much for that um, commitment to the bit. Uh, anything to plug uh, on the podcast? Uh, what's that? Is it any, anything to plug on the pod before you get out of here.
3: Well, I mean, other than the prospect list, so we've already we've already started kind of working on our personal rankings. We're gonna get that pod composite put together, and like towards the end of the year, we're gonna have that. That's kind of my next big project. Uh, we finally finished up all those pl- player reviews. All it was a whole bunch like you know, including the, the player pool guys end up being like 70 or something like that. So for right now we're kind of dealing with winter meetings and, you know, obviously this non-tender stuff. So we're going to be kind of a little bit in a holding pattern until we wait for something to happen until towards the end of the year where we start doing the prospect rankings and then, uh, you know, the season preview starts off, stuff starts cranking up again. So, you know, keep an eye out on the site. Uh, make sure that you are following Brad at BT Roland if for <laughs> no other reason that you get to hear him complain about the draft and uh, get to complain about the draft, hear about the draft, uh, hear about the Hawks, hear about the basketball, and occasionally there's some baseball uh, and or shouting at someone else on the internet. Make sure you follow him. I'm plugging you.
2: Yeah, thanks for plugging me. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, we'll be back soon. Honestly, people have asked, like, I, I don't think we have to stay to the Sunday Sunday evening schedule in the offseason because there's not really a form to the offseason. We'll, we'll default there usually, but something like this like why would i wait till sunday to record a wednesday non-tender recap so that's why we're doing it tonight uh subscribe to the podcast that's the best way to get the podcast whenever it drops is to subscribe to rate review to tell your friends check out eric's stuff check out the written content on the site as well as uh, everything else that's going on in baseball and uh, hopefully this will be a jinx into a big move on thursday or, or, or awesome. sorry, on friday i should say
3: Oh, it's 100%. It's 100% happening. Either that or some like news about Jim Harbaugh is going to happen. That's that's
2: all fine. Uh, If the Braves make a big splash on Friday, we will podcast at some point in the near future after that to recap it. But uh, there you go. All right, Eric. Thanks so much for joining me on the pod. As for everybody else. We will see you all next time.
0: How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting edge frontier of the industry.